Welcome to the Strong Roots Podcast. It's all about interviewing everyday, ordinary Christians who have strong roots of faith and then applying it to our own lives. Whether you are seeking, whether you're new to faith, or maybe you've been following Jesus for a really long time, come grow Strong Roots with us. Hey, Strong Roots. I'm here with Pastor John, and we are talking about truth-seeking. And today, it is all about words people have spoken over us. So how do we discern truth over the words that maybe someone has spoken over us? Maybe it's words that were true, but are in us and with us, and we struggle to overcome it or struggle to get past it. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts, but more importantly, God's perspective on what do we do with things that people have said? How do we how do we compare them to God's truth? It's going to be a really great episode. But right off the bat, Pastor John, is it common for you to have people speak things over you that aren't true? Share a time when you let someone's words define you or define truth, and what were the ramifications of that choice? I think with my job in particular, this is a hugely important thing. But I think for all of us in general, especially because of social media, we have so many different interactions with people that um, are much more polarizing than I think they previously were. I mean, people will say very strong things all the time. Right. And I think in general, too, our language has become so much more extreme, like the way, oh, it's the best ever. I mean, I love this worst ever, worst possible, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though I think our words now mean less because we exaggerate so much, um, I, th- I think the magnitude of the words we use still um, can pierce our heart in ways that are that are harmful and absolutely I think just for me as a pastor you know I mean people all the time will say you know that was an amazing sermon it was so good you know blah 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 or that was the worst sermon and you're a heretic and you spoke for the devil and you know it's just I have to guard my heart all the time right in my job Um, and I think all of us do you know with people that we're with and I think ultimately it comes down to um the way that we allow words, people's words, to harm us is through this thing that the Bible calls idolatry. Mm. And primarily, idolatry is when you worship something that isn't God. And, uh, you know, Perry Noble says that idol stands for it doesn't offer life. Right. Um, I think in general, that is what it is. I mean, you're looking for life from something that can't offer it to you. Right. And idolatry always leads to disappointment, you know, when when I'm looking for life from you in the context of our marriage, I want you to make me feel a certain way. Um, I'm always going to be disappointed in you, right? Right. Because only God can fill the hole in my heart. I'm trying to fill with you. But I think idolatry is what leads to words piercing our heart. You know, if you idolize people's words on Twitter, you know, there's going to be some people that momentarily might make you feel good, but nobody's like, you know what? I got enough nice things said about me on my Instagram today. Right. You know, it was enough. Like they said it all and it was really, I got enough likes. You know, it's all I need. I don't need any more. Like I'm fulfilled. No, it's always more, 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 more. It's never enough because that's idolatry. It's bottomless. It's never enough. And then on the negative side, if you do define yourself by the positive things that people say um, in life, on social media, in your marriage, um, you are going to be so much more disappointed by the negative things people Mm -hmm. say. You know, and perfect example of this, just, you know, this week, Preston, our social media director, posted a reel or a short video on Instagram about a sermon I gave. And in the start of the message, I said, hey, this illustration was ripped off of Francis Chan, right? But then some pastor in Texas made a mean comment saying that I ripped it off, right? Right. And in that moment, I was like, that son of a gun, you know, like and I <laughs> went to his website and I found his phone number and I called his phone number and then I hung up and I thought, what am I doing? Like, what's, who is this guy? He doesn't define me. Like, 
God defines me, you know? And why am I giving my power away to what he's doing? Why am I letting him define me? And we prayed for him, you and me, I called you up and we prayed for him. Um, But I let his little words pierce my heart. And what was that? That was idolatry of Instagram. Right. Right. Look at all these nice comments. You know, look at all these things. Ooh, that makes me feel pretty good. Right. And I get sucked into it all, all, all the time. Absolutely. So in those moments where you are maybe letting somebody's words affect you, whether for good or for bad, how, what do you do in the moment? Because I think this is a battle that we are all fighting all the time. It's not like, you know what? I've just arrived. I don't, I'm not an idolater anymore. Like it's unfortunately. Yeah. We were made to worship, weren't we? We worship false things. I mean, everything. So how do we make sure we are worshiping God all the time? And you know what? We say we were made to worship, but I want you to think about this. Who's having more fun? The Rolling Stones or the people in the front row at a Rolling Stones concert? <laughs> people I on gar- the front row. Yeah, people in the front row. You know, <laughs> yes. the Rolling Stones. I forget who the lead is. Is it Mick Jagger? Is that the one who's doing Rolling Stones? I think Stone? so, yeah. yeah. Mick Jagger's like, ah, uh, you know, this is the worst. You know, I'm doing this again. Been I'm, on the road. I'm like 95 years old. You know, I mean, the guy is so old. <laughs> and yeah, for him, it's not fun. You know, but for the people in the front, why? Because they are worshiping. We were made to worship. And you have to understand that about your nature. You know, you have to understand that all of us were made to worship somebody else. And it's right. amazing too, you know, I've gotten to meet some pastors who are, are pretty successful and it's amazing to me that they carry the same level of insecurity that I carry, right? Right. Because they're looking to have their hearts filled, you know, and ultimately, you know, you need to look to God. You recently did a sisterhood sermon on this that I thought was so good with the cups yeah. that need to be filled and allowing Jesus around the cup. Uh, Preston, we'll need to link that one, but uh, yeah, that was a Good one for sure. Are there anything, is there anything you do to allow God to fill you so that when these moments arrive, because they're going to happen mm-hmm. all throughout the day, you are already filled and are, it's easier. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, there's temptation still. God says he always will provide a way out. But how do you fill yourself up every day to make sure that you're not giving into temptation? Oh, this is such a big deal. With my kids, the phrase that I use is don't give your power away. Mm-hmm. I think a better phrase would be don't give your heart away. Um, I like don't give your peace away. Don't give your peace away. <laughs> Whatever. It's all the same. Yeah, it is. But, you know, you can see it with little kids. When one of my children, you know, when when Hermione gets Isabel and does some little thing that bugs her, like it, it can be as little as like a dirty look. And Isabel will be like, Hermione is being so mean. And she'll fall to tears. And here's this girl who is beautiful and successful and, you know, top of her class and loved by everybody. Mm-hmm. And a dirty look from her little sister will wreck her day. And what is she doing? She's giving her power away. She's giving her peace away. She's giving her heart away. And, you know, what she's doing is she's not doing it because she's 11. She's doing it because she's a human. And it's interesting when you have kids, it brings clarity to what I do all the time as an adult. You know, I'm having a great day. I have a wonderful life. I'm married to a wonderful, beautiful woman. And yet some pastor that I've never met before... Right. From Houston, Texas, you know, makes his post, and I'm like, ah, oh my goodness, I can't believe he did it. Da, 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 da. I'm giving my power away. And right. what you need to do when you sense yourself giving your power away, you need to say, Lord, I'm taking that back and I'm giving it to you. Absolutely. You define me, right? And what does he define us as? You need to fill yourself with his promises, his word, deeply loved, highly favored, greatly blessed, totally righteous, destined to reign because of Jesus. Right. And if I'm all those things, deeply loved, highly favored, Greatly blessed, totally righteous, and destined to reign because of Jesus. Right. Some dude saying, I ripped off Francis Chan's illustration for a sermon, which I said I did. Um, he can't define me. Right. Who is he? He doesn't matter. 
you know, God defines me. And I just want to be able to, instead of being mad at him, I want to be able to give life to him. Right. And the second thing you need to do after receiving God's truth is forgiving the person. Yes. And you just need to say, you know, God, I choose to forgive so-and-so. Um, for what they did. And Kristen, when I met you, and I want to turn this around on her for a second, guys, because she's actually had a lot of experience with this. When I met you, there were some people that were really close to you in your life um, who had said some extremely hurtful things to you. And uh, I, uh, you know, people, people super close to you. You want to talk about some of the things they said? Oh, man, I'm not really great at remembering, but I think I've had things said like, I never really loved you, correct? Um, oh, yeah. Can you think of things? I, are you thinking of specific things? Somebody um, that's close to you should know better, like looked at you in the eye when you were vulnerable and crying and called oh. you a W-H-O-R-E, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's hurtful. And so when I met you, would you say that those things were still being carried with you? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I was almost carrying them to define me. Like, look at mm-hmm. look at the things that people have done to me. Like, look at look at all the hurt that they've caused me, like almost looking for my identity in these things that were caused or perpetrated against me. And it yeah. was not a fun yeah. way to live. It was, <laughs> And I would say, you know, in so many areas of your life, you're wonderful and radiant and free. But in that area of your life, you had this kind of yucky yeah. and unattractive victim mentality. Absolutely. It was, oh, because somebody that's really close to you that should know better called you a WHRE or they said they didn't love you. Yeah. You know, I mean, and and, you know, I doubt they were even sober when they said it. Right. You know, right. Which is, <laughs> this is sad in its own. Right. Right. But I think what really helped me walk through that and you hit it, but was to, I had somebody in my life who loved God. She had me make a list of all my unforgiveness towards this person. And so I was ready. I was ready to like show them all the ways that this person had hurt me. And I was ready for them to like side with me and be like, oh, That was awful. So I come and we pray and I read all this. I start going one by one on this list. Like, okay, this is what she said. And this godly woman in my life looks back at me and she's like, what's your part? I'm like, what do you mean what's my part? Like, clearly, I didn't For each item on the list. Yeah. I'm like, clearly, I didn't say anything. They said that over me. And she's like, your part is holding unforgiveness, resentment, or bitterness towards this person. You need to ask God for forgiveness, for the part that you are doing. And that was so freeing to me, confessing my sin against this person, even if it was just holding the unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment. That's not just, that's, that's bad right there. I mean, that's a big, big bad sin right there. And oh my goodness, once I did that, once I asked forgiveness for my part, I was able to have compassion. I was able to have a relationship. I was able to forgive the new offenses that would happen. And I was able to not be defined by the words that were spoken over me or what they said to me. It is, forgiveness is the portal to freedom. Oh yeah. And it was, it was amazing to watch her walk through that. She was truly transformed Mm -hmm. um, through this process of forgiveness. I mean, you were defined by these things that people had said to you. Oh, absolutely. And then you went through this process where you owned your part. And you know, the world is so against this. The world loves a good old um, good and evil narrative, we right? We do, yeah. And, and, and they're the bad guy and you're the good guy. And they're the ones who have been victimized by this systemically broken system or whatever. And it's like, dude, there's two parts on it. You know, I mean, there's always two parts. And like situations where, you know, um, you had been a victim of some abuse in your life. And to have this woman look at you and you're like, no, I'm a total victim. Like, I am not guilty. And for her to help you see your role, which sometimes was as minimal as unforgiveness, was so freeing for you. Because what it gave you was what? 
agency. Right. Right. You gained power over a situation where you felt powerless and it transformed her life. It transformed our marriage. It transformed your relationships. Um, I would say this was, I mean, the anxiety ridden, sort of introverted, emotionally less stable person that you were at that time, you were delivered from that and became the leader you are today right? because of the process of forgiving these people Mm -hmm. and taking back your heart from them and giving it to God. Absolutely. And I think the reason why we love a good, good and evil story is because that is the story of our creator. Like Jesus is the good. We are bad. Right. right? But what we do, what we do is we transfer God role, God's role to us. Yeah. We try to make ourselves God. Isn't that funny? Like that's a piece of our nature. And it's so unsatisfying because we weren't made to be God, right? Who has more fun? The worshiper or the Rolling Stone, you know, rock star. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. It's way more fun to worship, but we take that out. We take that away from ourselves instead of trying to, um, you know, worship God. We try to get God to worship us. Tell us how good we are. It's like, that's dumb. Okay. I have a really good question yeah. that I think Give it to a me. lot of listeners are dying to hear. So in the moment, we're talking about past stuff. In the moment when someone gives you criticism, and this is every day, like I don't care who you are, like whether it's your kids, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your work environment, you are going to get criticism. Maybe you could see it as just learning opportunities, but how do you deal with it? How do you discern what they're saying is true? And maybe what's something they said that you should just kind of throw away? That's such a good question. And this comes back to that good, evil thing. dumb dichotomy that Mm -hmm. exists, right? A dichotomy is, you know, it's either this or it's that. There's nothing in between. And it's a false dichotomy, right? Uh, When somebody comes to you and they they say something, there's usually a grain of truth in it. But what we do is we, we abdicate our ability or the opportunity to learn and grow from somebody's criticism. Right. And, and we just take offense. The other day I had a good friend of mine who I love tell me that a lot of times I come off mean and hurtful and abrasive Mm -hmm. in a conversation. And I want it to be like, that's that's not true. That's ridiculous. Da, da, da. Right. Who is this person? Oh, right. And in the moment, in the conversation, I had to say, well, stop. First off, their perception is my responsibility. And secondly, I want to look for truth in this, right? Because right? if I just shut this down and I run away, I'm going to lose the ability to see something about myself that they see. Right. You know, and I want to I want to change that. And I just think when you have somebody say something to you that is offensive to mm-hmm. you, instead of saying, I need to counteract this argument or I need to win against them or I need to shut down this lie that they're saying. You need to say, regardless of how much lie there is, what is the 1% of truth that might be in this or the 10% or whatever? And say, this is going to be my learning opportunity. Right. Um, Because they're always, you know, it's funny. Somebody can tell a story that's only half true. But until you acknowledge the half of it that is true, you're not going to be able to address the lie. Right. And half the time, you know, by the time you acknowledge the truth, who cares about the lie? Like you gain this opportunity to grow anyway. But in my life, and I receive a fair amount of criticism in my life, um, I just always want to ask, you know, what is the truth in this and how can we grow? And as a church, if you ever met me, you know, my favorite discussion is, you know, what's your least favorite part about our church? Because I I always want to know. I want to know how we can grow and, um, you know, what's your least favorite part about me? What are things that are bad that other people see about me that I don't see? Right. Right. You want to seek that out because it's your growth opportunity stuff, but... I think what you're saying is amazing. I think a lot of people, though, that is so foreign. I mean, when you met me, how many times was I able to look at the truth in anything that was criticism? Probably not. I was, again, the victim mentality. I was like, how dare you cry? This is all your fault. So I think what you just said is right on, so freeing. So like my life has been transformed from that truth that Jesus right. gives us. 
But for somebody who is listening where they're like, I don't even know how to even see truth because I'm going back so filled with my own emotions and wanting to blame the other person, look at the speck in their eye and not the log of my own. How to get there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like walking on... uh, you know, in the summertime, remember in the spring, you walk in the, you start walking and everything hurts your feet when you're going barefoot. Mm-hmm. It's like, ow, 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 all the yeah. time. Hurts your feet. Um, and if you just wear shoes all the time all summer, it's always going to hurt your feet. Right. Right. But if you go out barefoot all the time, you're just going to get used to it eventually. It's going to be a lot easier and a lot more painless. And I, I think so it is with criticism. I think you need to seek it out. You know, mm. and I think you need to find people you trust who are godly. That's very important. But you find people you trust who are godly, and you ask him that great question. Hey, what's the worst part about me that many other people see that I don't see? And I want to, it's not a trap. You know, right. maybe don't go to your husband if it's first time. <laughs> <laughs> first time you've done it in a while. Right. But go to somebody you love and respect. What's the worst part about me that others see that I don't see? You know, and I mean, here's this great opportunity to receive some criticism. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, it is. But I mean, if you want to be a whole and effective person, right. if you want to get out of this trap of taking offense all the time, because you'd be amazed mm-hmm. when you prepare your heart for it and you're all set up, you will reach a place where you can receive criticism right. and it doesn't hurt nearly as much. It is an exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think oh, yeah. that is something that I have learned asking those questions. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to admit it is scary. I don't think it gets necessarily less scary. Oh my gosh. I like literally hold my breath every time. I'm like, oh yeah. My heart starts pounding and I'm like, what are they going to say? They're going to probably say something. You know, I don't, I like make up all these things I think they're going to say. And usually the thing they say, one, is helpful. Yep. Two, is way less scary than I thought it was going to be. Oh yeah. And it's just like, and then at the end, I'm, because being a Christian, I'm grateful. Oh yeah. Because then it gives me an opportunity to become more like Christ. Right. But I will say it is a muscle that you have to exercise that if you stop, it, you're, it's going to get worse oh, again. Yeah. <laughs> and you never did it, but now you do never. it all the time. You receive, I mean, Kristen gets criticized probably more than anyone else in our organization. I think you get more criticism than I do. Um, and I don't know what that is about, you know, being a lady or whatever, but you, she gets a ton and she receives it really well, you know, from staff, from everyone. But fun story today, Preston, who's helping us film this video, I called him into my office and talked to him about some things, but I said, Hey, what, what are things that other staff members see about me that I don't see? Right. I exercise this today, not even knowing yeah. that this would be a question oh, you asked. Okay. And you know, he was, I was like, you know, do people, Hey, you know, in the office are people like afraid of me and Elise? And he's like, well, not Elise. People aren't afraid of her, but <laughs> they are afraid of you. And I was like, Oh really? Why? What is it? What is it that I do? Yeah. And he said, you know, it's when you wear your noise canceling headphones mm. And you walk around the office with your mean face on. It's right. very intimidating because you won't even acknowledge people, which I'm listening to a sermon at like four speed. So I have to focus. I can't even smile. It's like, <laughs> hey, when I go out to make a coffee or go to the bathroom, how about I just pause and smile at people? Yeah. You know, like it That's wouldn't be that hard. Feedback. I thought it was really good feedback. But initially, initially, what did I do? I got defensive. Ah, he doesn't even know. I'm listening to sermons at four speed and I'm listening to books on tape and I have to do this because I got to write sermons and he doesn't even understand how hard it is to be me, you know, and whatever. And it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Right. Here is my improvement opportunity. You know, I just think dads, moms, kids, where in life are you willing to receive feedback from people? How are you developing the calluses on the bottom of your feet and, you know, around your heart so that you're capable of receiving this stuff so that you can grow? Right. Um, because I don't think the words of people are designed to hurt you most of the time. Nobody's like, you know, I just want to hurt them. They want to, they want to help you stop being such a tool. You know, <laughs> that's the big goal. And, uh, yeah, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that that's a skill that, uh, is something my parents forced me to learn young. How so. do you discern who's a safe person to go and start asking those questions? Do they have a track record? 
of godliness in their life that okay. extends more than a couple years. Okay. And I think that's a big deal. You look at the wake of people in their life. Are they stable? Are they successful? Are they able to, successful spiritually, are they able to follow through on what they say they're going to do? Do you see them growing stably if they're emotionally up here and they say all these things and then bam, down here and up here and then down here and no. Right. It's, uh, you know, you look at someone and, hey, do they embody the, the spirit of God in them? So how has this affected your relationships? Like being able to discern the truth from the lies, being able to, in the moment, not get defensive. How would you say your relationships at this juncture in your life are compared to when, I don't maybe, I know I admit it, I really struggled at this, but. Yeah, I think being able to say weighty words will dramatically enrich your relationships. And I feel like so many people go through life with shallow, fun friendships, um, but being able to receive harsh words from people, first off, it gives you, people will generally then reciprocate and allow you to say harsh words back to them. Mm-hmm. Not harsh words, but very true, deep words. Um, and it will give you deeper relationships than you've ever had. And I think God created us for that. Right. You know, I mean, I think it's a really special thing. And it's sad that so many of us are so sensitive, right. you know, um, that that we just miss out on having deep relationships, even in our marriages, you know, it right. like, it's like, Oh, I can't say this. Cause I don't want to, you know, I mean, how often do you see young men and young women who are literally afraid to have conversations of substance with their person because they're both so sensitive, right. You know, oh, in this area. Yeah. Because of idolatry, right. That's what it is at the end of the day. It's like, Oh, I idolize this person. And if I say one thing wrong, it'll be like, you know, my God, even though I won't say that, my God condemning me, and then it's just the end of the world. I'll get defensive and angry and whatever. So, yeah, you're just missing out on close relationships when you don't do this, and you have deeper, better relationships when you do. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like this practice also helps you be a more forgiving person? 100%. Growing, dynamic, forgiving. I mean, it increases. What it does is it removes the roof on your potential in life. It removes the lid. I mean, you can grow so much as a person when you can receive harsh words from people and discern, you know, what's true and what's not. I mean, it's a, it's a huge deal. And Satan does a great job of destroying people's potential um, by ruining their ability to receive criticism in this way. So would you say that the real challenge that we'd want to give people is finding someone who has a great track record um, as a godly person, asking them, and what would be the question in your mind? Like, what's an improvement oh. opportunity? What do you see that I don't see? Like, what would be the golden question? Yeah, because we're out of time. But yeah. um, I would say the golden question, you find somebody who has a track record of godliness yeah. that, ex- that, that, that extends through years, that knows you, and you right. just say, hey, what is something that many other people see about me that I don't see that I can get better at? Right. Yeah. And then you receive yeah. it. It's that easy. And I do it every day. I did it with Preston today. Like and then literally you ask minutes. for God's help. Sometimes yeah. I get criticism that I'm like, I don't know if I'm actually going to be able to get better at this on my oh, own. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, I mean, a lot of it is like to your point before unintentional. Yeah. And I, and I think the second part of that is asking God's help right. in order to do it. But right. Thank you so much for letting yeah. me pick your brain. Today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And we cannot wait to catch you next time. Bye strong roots. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Strong Roots Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure to check us out on all our other social media platforms. And I want to let you know that I am personally praying that your roots stay strong.